Hello once again, Cougar Nation. Welcome back inside Studio C at the BYU Broadcasting Building in Provo, Utah for our latest edition of The Coordinator's Corner presented by JCW's The Burger Boys. Coming up on today's show, it's a fifth straight win for BYU to open the 2020 season as the boys in blue win a clash of the Cougars in Houston. BYU now ranked 12th and 11th in the two major polls with a two-game homestand about to get underway. On today's show, we look back and ahead with special teams coordinator Ed Lamb and defensive coordinator Elisa Tuiaki. And we start things off with the man wearing the most hats on the BYU staff. He is special teams coordinator, linebackers coach, and assistant head coach Ed Lamb. Coach Lamb, good to see you once again. Good morning, Greg. Thank you. So uh, BYU now 5-0 and after a 43-26 comeback victory at Houston. First of all, just congrats on a huge win for the program, I thought. Oh, thank you. Yeah, the boys are playing really hard right now, and that was a character builder in the game, a show of character, but also a character builder. I thought we came out better than we went in. The character built uh, by battling through some adversity, and there was some of that. There sure was, yeah. Adversity in all phases and, uh, and throughout the game, a real dip in our production there through the second and third quarters. And, um, yeah, to see the guys battle through that and battle through it together and never turn on each other. I think, uh, like I said, I think, I think we can build on that. We, we need to build on that. It's not done yet, but we can. You and the boys are, are game plan focused, laser focused that way, but is there some appreciation for the stage BYU finds itself on these days as the, the, the wins come and uh, the rankings get higher and those kinds of things? Yeah, I think uh, I can remember being the player's age, and that, that, is, um, that is important. And, and it's, in football, we don't often play for something tangible. You know, there's uh, in, in, in BYU being independent. We don't have a tangible league championship trophy, right? It's kind of all about getting to this bowl game and that the, kind of the one trophy. And I think um, you know, the polls and bowl implications that can be something these days that's that's a little more tangible. But as I think most of our coaches have been around it long enough that. We don't want to ride that roller coaster of, uh, oh, okay, they recognized us this week, and then you know maybe next week we get, we get upset and, and somehow demotivated because somebody doesn't think we're as good as we think we are. Let's get to Houston a little bit and start with the fact that, well, there were going to be fans in the stands, and there were. It felt like a lot of fans in the stands, and the sound the BYU fans made was remarkable. It was fantastic. We, they were um, surrounding. They were all throughout the stadium, but it seemed like the bulk of the BYU fans were right there at the tunnel that we came in and out of for our locker room, and uh, we certainly could hear them throughout the game. They were behind our bench, and uh, you know, I, at several times I felt like our fans were, were much louder and much more into the game than the, the, Cougar, the Houston Cougars fans were. The, the number of fans might have been in the neighborhood of 10,000 as they were at 25% capacity. But uh, as I've got the headset on the entire night and our crowd mic is amplifying what's going on, for a listener, it could have been 10, it could have been 40, as loud as things got at certain points. It really was, I, I, thought, I thought, outstanding. I felt that way too. And uh, the, the, to share that, that, that is a special moment for players and coaches to share that on the road, post-game victory. You know, you'll see our guys go all around the stadium and find and, and high-five every every uh, fan that they can find, and a um, really cool night to, to share that with those fans that made that trip. And it was the first chance for fans to, uh, BYU fans, to see their team in person, and we'll get another chance this Saturday, and we'll talk about that a little bit as well as uh, we'll see fans in Provo for the first time this year. So you went into the game, uh, Coach Lamb, missing uh, a couple of key defensive players. I'll just mention, too, uh, Lorenzo Falatea earlier in the week announced that he'd be out for the season. 
And, uh, and then Kairos Tonga didn't make the trip. And so those are two pretty big pieces, uh, integral pieces, to a game plan that relies a lot on what they perform, on, on what they provide. Uh, yeah, I'm sure it does. Uh, yeah, Lorenzo is a great change of pace for us. He, you know, th- for years now has come in and just provided a, a real quickness inside and a toughness. And um, he's a, a leader for us, so hurt to, not to have him. I think Kairos's impact was Everybody can could see that right from the beginning. Uh, we were we were not able to get our odd front going very well in the in the pass rush, and so we we uh, went to more even front in situations where we normally would not do that. And uh, and the the rest of the defensive line rose to that occasion. So a really good opportunity for the coaches and players to adjust and then come through in the end. Yeah, you just said on that note, uh, depth was going to be tested, and you felt on the whole they performed. Very much. Yeah, I think we have a really deep defensive line, and there's di- there are different skill sets, and I, I guess that's true of every position for every team. But uh, we we do have a lot of defensive linemen that we have confidence in. Um, the you know the thing that sometimes I think can be underappreciated is we have a dozen different ways to bring odd front pass rush and even front pass rush, and so finding the right combination for the guys on the field is sometimes. Uh, the biggest challenge, and I, and I thought that uh, by the end of the night, we had that combination down pretty good. We don't get into injuries a lot on this program. We let Kalani handle most of that talk. Is it safe to say, though, that, that Kairos could be back uh, as soon as this week? I, th- I think so. I, the, the, the major issue last week was the, uh, the missing of practice. And, you know, nowadays, just going, going into it, uh, any COVID symptom is really treated like COVID. And so... A guy has a runny nose. He's got to have, uh, you know, at that point, there's got to be two negative COVID tests over a four-day period. And so I think we're really in jeopardy uh, with uh, that challenge throughout the rest of the season is that uh, it's, it's not just COVID anymore that keeps guys out for an extended period of time. It's anything that might look like COVID. We have to treat that as uh, possibly COVID. Okay, we'll uh, follow that progress this week then. To the game itself, another fast start for BYU. Yes, Houston scored first, but it was only a field goal, and they were driving pretty well, so it's three-zip. Boom. First play touchdown to Dax. You score another time. You're up 14-3 in the first quarter. Things were going well there in that, in that first quarter. We did. We had, uh, we had enough a good run defense there early where Houston couldn't put together uh, early drives, at least touchdown drives. And, uh, and things, yeah, things started out in our favor for sure, offensively and defensively. Dax Milne, uh, who you work with on, on special teams, uh, had a heck, I mean, career night in every way. I mean, he was the superstar on offense. Da- Zach Wilson's numbers speak for themselves, but he was looking for Dax a lot, and uh, Dax came through time and again. He did, and that's Houston's, uh, Houston's defensive philosophy is to uh, bring a lot of guys around the run. You can see any time that there's any type of run action, they had a seven, eight guys, sometimes nine, really attacking the run game. And so we knew our receivers were going to have to win over the top, and uh, they did. Hurt to lose Gunner there, but, uh, you know, as has been the case all year, other guys stepped up. We had tight ends getting in, involved in the vertical passing game. Of course, Dax had his huge night, which speaks for itself, and, uh, and Zach was able to find those guys. If Gunner has to miss some time, uh, who maybe has the, the, the best shot at occupying that, uh, that third receiver spot right now? Oh, that's a, that's a really good question. I think we've already we've already seen it, really. I mean, we've seen Neil Pau get involved, and, and probably a bigger role for him. We've seen the different personnel groups get involved. Mason Wake is getting more involved in the passing game. The tight ends are getting more involved in the passing game, and so I think uh, I think there's opportunities at other positions, and then and and we don't always necessarily try to replace a, an X receiver's production with, with an X another, receiver. Yeah, you know, yeah. Same with the Matt Bushman going down. You know, we didn't immediately try to say, okay, well, who's the next tight end that gets 80 catches this year? Yeah. Uh, but I think uh, Braden Cosper is another guy that's been really been coming along. We've got Chris Jackson that offers a lot of speed. hasn't hasn't got much time yet, but he um, 
he's shown some ability. And then Keanu, Keanu came in. Yeah, Keanu. Keanu did a really nice job in the game as well. Okay, uh, what uh, what uh, allowed Houston to get the traction they did get? You talked about the lull in the in the middle quarters, and they won the second quarter 17 zip. Uh, things did take a dip. What did you see? particularly from Houston's offense that was working that really had to get tuned up in the second half? Well, I thought they made a nice adjustment instead of trying to really be a balanced attack and, and running the ball, which we were, we were playing fairly good run defense. Um, they began to go to more of a drop-back passing game and a patient drop-back passing game where the quarterback was, was sitting in the pocket and finding receivers. So they were beating our, uh, our, our zone coverages, our man coverages. We weren't quite getting that pass rush tuned up in time. And then we had just a, just a couple of uh, you know assignments that uh, kind of broke the... I broke the camels back there. Um, but, yeah, that took us into halftime with, with uh, a lot to think about and a lot to adjust. It's a talented team, though. We think we'll win a lot of games, don't we? Uh, I th- yeah, I, th- I, I, don't, I haven't studied the rest of Houston's schedule, and then they still are so early in their season, probably early to figure out who they are. But I think certainly from uh, a player talent perspective, it looks like they've got a lot going, and they're very dangerous in the special teams return games. Right before halftime, big swing. Uh, BYU goes on a fourth and one from the two, doesn't convert. And Houston didn't, didn't have a lot of time and a long field to work with. They did get down in time to score a field goal, so at least a six-point swing there right before halftime. That's right, yep. And that's, uh, that, you know, that, that's the risk that we take. Uh, we're, we're, uh, we expect to be, over the course of the season, about 80% on fourth and one. Um, you know, I think offensive coaches probably think of it. Uh, in less simplistic terms and, and we want to have the play call bl- back or perhaps there was a missed block or something like that. But um, yeah, that one put us in a bind. I don't think all the time that, uh, that it, you know, not getting it is, is 100% negative. I think there are things to be learned. I think there are uh, an increased level of uh, motivation and desire that, that maybe results from that. And so I don't, I'll never disagree with that decision. Fourth and one, we, make, we pretty much make our decision going into the game. And there's the field goal that uh, did make it a six-point game at the break. Houston led it by a score of uh, 2014. Probably a good time to take us into a break. We'll hit the second half after this break. And we'll remind you that uh, tomorrow night it is BYU football with Kalani Sitake, your weekly look inside the Cougar football program, live at 8.30 p.m. Eastern time on the BYU TV app. Coming up, indeed, how BYU came back to handle Houston in the second half and improved to 5-0 plus some players of the week with Coach Lamb. This is the Coordinator's Corner. We're brought to you by JCW's The Burger Boys. Back with more right after this. All right, we are back on the Coordinator's Corner with BYU Special Teams Coordinator Ed Lamb. BYU now 5-0, ranked 11th by the coaches, 12th by the AP voters with Texas State in town this weekend. We're looking back at last Friday night in Houston. BYU wins at 43-26 after trailing at one point 26-14. It's the largest comeback for a win in the uh, Kalani Sitake era. Only 12 points, but BYU never done more than 10 before. I didn't know that. Yeah, that, what, a, what a great stat and, and uh, hopefully a, a sign of things to come in terms of overall team toughness and coaches hanging in there and believing as well in the players. So uh, trailing at halftime, 20-14, uh, to 14, BYU gets the ball back to start the second half. Uh, two false starts on a drive. You end up punting, but to the two. Uh, Ryan Rico, great punt to the two-yard line. Then Houston goes 98 yards yeah. over 16 plays, scores a touchdown, makes it 26-14 for the home team. And that's late in the third quarter now. What was the vibe on the headset and on the sideline at that point, in the booth at that point? Well, gosh, what a question. I don't know. It's almost like you were hearing into the headset to ask that question. So, you know, uh, during, during the defensive part when I was on the defensive side of the headset, because I, I actually switched back and forth during the games. Yeah. 
we had made some adjustments at halftime and, and we came out with that adjustment in play and we, we had committed to a four-man rush and man coverage and they marched it down the field on us. Now they, we had the targeting penalty that kind of let them off the hook, but they did execute some really nice plays on that drive and beat our man coverage over and over and protected our, our front. And, and the decision had to be made at that point, okay, who are we? Hmm. What's our philosophy? At least in this game, I guess things could change. But uh, who are we? What's our philosophy? And, and how do we want to, if we do go down, how do we want to go down? And uh, I thought Kalani provided great leadership at that point and, and led the way in the discussion. And, and uh, we, we solidified after that. I thought, I thought George Udo's play right there on the two-point uh, play was really a, a big turning point, a, a confidence builder for him. And we needed him late. Kavika Fanua went out with an injury. And uh, I thought that was a real turning point in the game. So the Udo pick leads into BYU's next offensive series. I thought it was a huge drive to answer, not, not just to answer, but the way you answered. It was 18 plays, 18 yards on the first play, then 19 yards on the next play, then 37 yards on the next play, and then two plays later you're in for a touchdown. Yeah. It didn't take long to get right back in it. Yeah, we, and we've seen that before from our offense, and that's one of the things. That we have a quick strike offense, which our, you know, we don't intend to do that. We're not fighting necessarily for a high play count or possession count. But uh, when, when they quick strike like that, it's, it can be a real challenge for the uh, defense to get ready to come back out on the field that quickly, especially after giving up a 98-yard drive prior. BYU's really excelled in what they call the explosives, the big plays, the chunk yardage plays. And again, these are plays that are sequenced in that drive that results on the inside receiver screen here to Dax Milne for the touchdown. And so, so from down, uh, down 26-14 to 26-21, and then comes, I, I think, arguably the play of the game. And even though it didn't lead directly to a score, it's the onside kick that changes things. It did, yeah. I think, um, I think that was just a, a message to their sideline and a message to our own sideline that, that we're here, we're in this, we're not going away, and we're going to use every single tool that we have at our disposal. We saw that this opportunity would be here in this game. Jake calls all of our, all of our kickoffs. You know, we have, we have four or five different calls. This is one of them. And, uh, and we, we talked to the whole team about this being here before the game. This is an important one that the whole team needs to be behind because if we don't get it, the defense needs to take the field understanding that, hey, we all agreed we wanted to go for this thing. Mm. And so it was, it was a great moment of excitement for our whole sideline when it was executed correctly and, and we got the momentum there. And Talmadge Gunther was your guy that, uh, that ends up on the receiving end of it. He did, yeah, and, and did a great job. You know, the, the aiming point for that kick is usually about uh, 15 or 16 yards and end up going 11. He saw Talmadge do a really good job of slowing down and then catching it over his back shoulder, which you'd expect the receiver to have that ability to do, and, and that made it a legal kick and, and a great opportunity for him to show what, he's, what he can do. I said it didn't lead directly to a score because on the ensuing drive, with momentum, um, you end up punting. In fact, let's talk about what led to the punt. Back-to-back delays of game uh, for Ryan Rico there. Um, that's right. Yeah, the, the delay of game, those were, those were deliberate. Um, well, at least this, this, the first one was deliberate. And then we had, a, we had one of our players that was down with an injury. And so in, penners like to punt with a little more space. Right. And I was glad that Houston didn't decline the penalty. Sometimes coaches will do that and kind of force your kicker to have a short kick. Um, but, yeah, we, we, uh, we, we kind of self-inflicted that on purpose. But then the punt does the job. It's yeah. a pin to the eight-yard line. Yeah. And, and then Houston goes three and out. Defense does its job. Shank punt helps. Um, and you get the 23-yard line yeah. back on offense. And now is when you go in and take the lead. That's right. Yeah, another, another opportunity that we saw going into the game is the ability to pressure their punter and speed him up. And, and our guys up front did a really good job of that all night. And their punter had some punts that were, were less than what he's capable of. And that was one of them. 
big opportunity right there deep in their territory. And isn't it crazy, though, how momentum swung in a rel- relatively short span of time from down 26-14 and you've been gashed for 98 yards, and then a couple things happen and you're right where you want to be? We talk a lot about, uh, you know, college football is a game of momentum, and, and we have meetings where it'll, it'll be uh, Jeff Grimes and Ituyaki and myself, and we talk about the value of putting together putting together different phases of the game and how that swings momentum. And usually just to stop on defense or just to score on offense, that, that really doesn't swing momentum. But when you can get three in a row, like a defensive stop, a score, and a stop, or even add a great special teams in there, that now you've got phases and you're kind of just continuing to land blows on the other team and, and the momentum tends to swing. And I thought that really started to happen there. Okay, the touchdown play to give BYU the leads, the Mason Wake play, it's called Chiefs. Uh, what's happening on the headset uh, when that play call is being discussed? If you did flip over to offense there. Yeah, uh, that's so that we're down in the red zone there. We have, uh, you know, there's it, we start to talk about how aggressive we want to be. Are we playing for the field goal? Are we playing for the touchdown? What's the down and distance? And uh, our offense is always looking for the opportunity to, to be aggressive in that area. It's what the head coach wants. And I thought this was just a great play call, well-designed. And, uh, and well coached. The, the thing about some of these plays that don't show up all the time, it, it can look really bad when, they, when, they're mess, when they're messy. And I thought we did a really clean job there of execution. The play's called Chiefs for a reason, isn't it? That's right. Yeah, yeah. took the play directly from the Kansas City Chiefs. And, and uh, those, those guys have been good to us. Of course, Coach Reed has, has been here and talked to the boys before and, and is a good resource for our coaches. And so nice to see that uh, little tip of the cap toward the Chiefs. Yeah, they did it with Anthony Sherman, their fullback, and we did it with, uh, with Mason Wake. Uh, down 26-14 to up 29-26. Oh, the, the two-point conversion is big, too. You did cap it off with, another, with, with a two-pointer to give you a three-point lead there. That's right, and, a, and a momentum sw- another momentum swing there where, where Houston's two-point conversion failed, and we got ours, and so we were able to turn in you know, what could have still been a tie or even a, uh, we would be trailing. We turned that into a three-point lead, and all of a sudden, again, momentum just continued to build on our side. And at that point, you're up 29-26, and now the defense starts to dominate. Uh, they had 104, Houston had 104 yards in the second half, and 98 came on the one drive. That means everything else they did in that second half, they gained six yards. And it was so, so rewarding. There were some great adjustments by Ituyaki, you know, getting the, getting the right combination of four-man rush and, and stunts and twists and the right guys in the game. And they started to really take over up front, which is always necessary. But also the culmination of, of really five and a half years of recruiting a specific type of cornerback to play man-to-man coverage and and pushing this you know pushing this defense that Kalani has done and envisioned and then to see that kind of come to fruition when all night it it hadn't been very productive for us and then all of a sudden it was you know it it seemed like Houston just couldn't touch our cornerbacks and our nickelbacks and all the guys playing man-to-man coverage. And you alluded to it a moment ago the um, the adjustment preceded a long touchdown drive against you so you had to kind of decide okay are we going to bail and say it didn't yeah. work? Are we going to say, no, we can do this? Yeah, really, yeah, really the, the adjustment was this is the first time we've had two of our what we would consider our starting corners, at least man corners, uh, ready all year. And so we went into the game. Our number one call, our first call of the game, we called it ten times in the first half. Our number one call was, was four-man rush, man coverage. And it just wasn't quite clicking like we all had envisioned. And uh, so for, you know, for Kalani to have conviction and stick to that and keep encouraging Lysa to stick with it, um, and we just kept, you know, tweaking it and finding the right pass rush combination. And then all of a sudden it, it was there. It was very rewarding, I'm sure, for the head coach, the, the defensive coordinator. And, of course, the players are going to have fun winning and dominating right. like that.
I want to get to the, uh, the, the finishing touches in this game, if you will. Uh, there was a kick-catch interference on Dax. Um, nervous moment there for a second until I saw the flag come out, but it was a legitimate call. You started a drive that kind of sealed the deal. And speaking of Dax, it's a third and 15 throw yeah. to Dax Milne that was perfectly placed. And, of course, Dax handled it well. And that makes it 36-26, and it kind of feels like, all right, we're, we're almost there. Yeah, great, great job by Jeff Grimes and the offensive staff there to stay aggressive. That, that was not, we did not see that as a four-minute situation. We saw that that was still a tight game with, with multiple possessions still possible with each, with, with each side. And so for us to turn that into a, into a situation where we're not, you know, milking the clock and punting and hoping for a win, but to stay on the attack right here, third and 15 for us is, you know, not generally a down where we're still attacking. And uh, we felt good about it, and uh, Dax won, and, and Zach put it right there. Great protection by the offensive line. Uh, one more touchdown was the finishing touch on a 43-26 decision. BYU scores uh, the final 29 points of the game, 22-zip in the fourth quarter. How encouraging to see a team get better as the game gets longer. That's, that's exactly right. I talked about it before, momentum, and I thought at that point we had really submitted submitted Houston and, and they weren't they just weren't playing with the same fire and enthusiasm and aggressiveness that they that they had before so all of a sudden the running game started clicking and uh, you know by the end of the game yeah like uh, their their final drive they weren't they weren't pushing for tempo or they just wanted to get the game done with if they, I felt like we could get another stop and perhaps a 50th point on the board so great job by our players of fighting back against a really really good football team. Before we get to players of the week, just really quickly, if you had to generalize your report cards for your special teams groups and your linebacking core on, on Friday, how, what would you say? That's a, that's a hard one. To I know, generalize. it's a lot, there's a lot yeah. there. Yeah, yeah there's, a, there's a lot of different grades and areas where we, we want to improve and get better, guys who played their best games, guys who, who, who didn't play their best games. But um, I would say for our coverage teams to shut down their return games, to yeah. punt for the, for the number of yards we punted and the field position changes, um, to allow the number one kickoff returner in the country and the fastest man in college football to, to have three or four returns and not get anything, get tackled inside the 25-yard line every time. Great job by the yeah. kickers, the coverage guys around them. And, you know, I, whatever the highest grade is, it's been a long time since I was in school, but I would, I would give them the highest grade on that night. And linebackers? The linebackers did a, did a really nice job. Uh, I, I thought the... Um, for, for George Udo to come in and play as well as he did down the stretch, for Kavika Fanua, who's got you know, dozens and dozens of starts for us. So a nervous moment for George that I thought he, he had some early nerves and then overcame it and finished the game really strong. Peyton Wilgar, Max Tooley, uh, Keenan Peely, Isaiah Kalfusi, those guys are just we, – we count on them every game and they deliver game after game after game, another high grade. Okay, players of the week time. Let's start with special teams there for you. Uh, we had uh, our top block. I-, I thought Talmadge Gunther's recovery on the onside kick was really uh, a block, so to speak. I mean, he blocked the opponent. We blocked the opponent from getting a possession right there. Uh, Jake Oldroyd uh, made made the kick and makes all of his kicks. And of course, like as I alluded to, he he made the play call, which I like to see. I like to see him do that way. He takes ownership in the execution of it. Ryan Rico did a great job as well, blocking their punt returner from getting going. He pinned him into the sideline several times and deep. And then Morgan Piper was. Uh, uh, really effective in his coverage and just played his guts out in, on kickoff and punt coverage. Coach Grimes gave us two players of the week on offense, Zach Wilson and Dax Milne. Yeah, that, that, you know, I, I know the offensive line, anytime that uh, running backs or receiver skill players are getting credit, then you got to credit the offensive line as well. So I would add those guys into, the, into a well-deserved um, recognition for, for Dax and Zach.
And so uh, there's your players of the week on offense from the from the Houston game. And for Dax Milne, those numbers on the right are all career highs for him in a single game. And uh, that's the first 400-yard passing game of uh, Zach Wilson's career as well. And uh, Zach is on Heisman lists and uh, getting appropriate national buzz right now. Uh, he's, he's earned it. You can't say it's, it, it's, not, it's, not, uh, it's not justified at this point. Absolutely. And, you know, as, as coaches, we're, we're really looking at, uh, you know, not so much how much he's paying attention to that, but what are we seeing on the field? And, and so long as he continues to play an, an unselfish game, take care of the football, you know, game manager is something that sometimes is almost a backhanded compliment to a quarterback. But I think that Zach's always had the ability to do what he's doing right now. He is managing games so clean right now. The pocket is staying clean. He's getting rid of the ball on time. He's seeing things down the field. I mean, I've just been so impressed with his maturity, and I'm sure he can handle some of this extra publicity he's getting the way that he has so far. And of his five games played this season, four of them have been over 200 in pass efficiency rating, and his low game is they get like 177. So the numbers are really uh, otherworldly right now for Zach Wilson. All right, it is break time. As we go to break, a reminder that the dinner after the game at JCW's includes something for everybody, from burgers to wings, shakes to salads, JCW's quality and a lot of it in Lehigh, American Fork, Provo, South Jordan, and now open in Harriman. Tune in to Cougar Pregame Live this Saturday, 8.15 p.m. Eastern, 6.15 Mountain on BYU Radio as we get you set for the Cougars and Texas State. BYU looks to go 6-0 for the first time since 2008. Coming up next, Coach Lamb helps us preview that game, and we go to social media in the Coordinator's Corner, brought to you by JCW's The Burger Boys. Algier settles in a clean pocket. Now hit as he throws deep down the near side to Dax Mill. Makes the catch. He's going to go. 40, 30, 20, 10. And just like that, BYU on top. You're in the coordinator's corner brought to you by JCW's The Burger Boys. This Saturday night, it's number 11 and 12, BYU home to Texas State. Cougars 5-0, Bobcats 1-5. First ever meeting between these two programs. Second Sunbelt game of the season for BYU. Cougs previously defeated Troy, which is also one of the team's to have defeated Texas State. Uh, Coach Ed Lamb, uh, a couple of early week thoughts on Texas State. Well, we better take this game serious. I, uh, you know, I think yeah, everybody wants to compare scores and records and things like that, but it, it take a little deeper look at Texas State. This is a team that has played competitively in every game. They're hungry for a victory, and they'll be really excited to come to Provo. To social media for Coach Lamb, Brandon Lemon asks, what can coaches do to help players remain focused given all the national noise around the team and players right now? I think we stick with with our routines and uh, and we make sure that we find ways where we can get better. You know, that was a great victory, but it's time to leave all of the positive feelings about that behind and it's time to point out the ways that we can get better moving forward. Okay. Shay Lawrence on uh, Twitter says the onside kick was awesome. I looked over to the to the sideline to see if Sean Payton was there. Uh, Please tell us about the preparation that was done in the film room and on the field to pull that playoff. Uh, that dates all the way back to the summer. Uh, Jake Oldroyd showed me some kicks that he'd been working on, some surprise onside kicks. He's got a few different ones. He, he calls that his chip nine. Uh, so we, first we put it into our, our playbook, and, and we have it available. We practice it every week. But then it's a matter of looking for the, what the opponent uh, opportunities might be, and we felt like going into the Houston game that this would be there. We showed it to the whole team before the game, make sure everybody's behind the risk that we're taking, and uh, so it was a great moment for the whole sideline. When you know it's coming, are you kind of excited knowing that you've prepped it, they know yeah. it, and it's there for you? Yeah, Isaiah Kalfusi, we always have a kickoff huddle before we go out, last-second reminders, and, and uh, Isaiah Kalfusi told the guys, 
don't look at it. Don't give it away. It's just Jake and Talmadge. Everybody else needs to look down the field and sell the coverage. It was sold. Uh, Houston's players, they were ahead of the other direct. They were, they were going to, they were going to, they were, they were, they were in return mode. Yep, they, yeah. they sure were. Yeah, it was, it was definitely not something that we scratched in the dirt on the sideline. That's something that's been executed over and over in practice. Okay, finally, from Greg Welch. Uh, fans like to talk about in-game adjustments, quote, uh, which for them are very simple, as in the other team is scoring, we need to stop them. In a game like Houston, where, where there were huge swings in momentum, what adjustments realistically can be made in the middle of a game as a staff? Uh, yeah, the, the adjustments are within the playbook. And, and I don't think there's a defense or, a, or an offensive uh, uh, play type out there that, that we don't have. And so the adjustments are, they need to be things we've already practiced. They're, this is too high of a level of football where we're going to find some play or some defense or some offense that the, the opponent isn't going to be sound against. We have to execute at a high level, so it has to be something that we've practiced. Maybe it was on you know, the, the second or third page of the game plan, and then we move it up to page one. And I thought that's what happened in the game, uh, certainly on offense and defense. All right, great half hour with you, Coach. Uh, you'll have next week off, so we'll see you in two weeks. Good luck this weekend. Thank you. All right, that is Coach Ed Lamb. Saturday night, get set for BYU in Texas State with countdown to kickoff 9 Eastern, 7 Mountain on BYU TV. Coming up next, defensive coordinator Elisa Tuiaki joining us. This is the Coordinator's Corner. We're brought to you by JCWs. We're live in Studio C on the BYU TV app. You're in the Coordinator's Corner, brought to you by JCW's The Burger Boys, BYU now. 5-0 on the season for the first time in 12 years as the Cougars return home to host Texas State on Saturday night. BYU's fifth win in five games came Friday in Houston. BYU wins at 43-26 after trailing 26-14. It was a 29-0 run to end the game for BYU and the first 400-yard passing day for Zach Wilson. Second half hour of the show begins now as we welcome in to Studio C, BYU defensive coordinator and defensive line coach, Elisa Tuiaki. Coach E, good to see you once again. Good to be back. Thank you. Well, kudos on the win. Uh, big-time performance on a big-time stage Friday night. Yeah, thank you. That was, that was fun to be a part of and fun to watch. You weren't full strength going in uh, to this one. Uh, no Kairos Tonga. Uh, Zofawatea announces that earlier in that week that he was going to be done for the year. So some big bodies that play big roles for you had to find a way to adjust. Yeah, there's a lot of kids stepped up, uh, rose to the occasion, you know, when we needed it. There was, you know, people didn't know, but uh, uh, Bracken O'Bakri was going through his deal and was iffy for the game, just with a lot of, a lot of stomach pain. And so, um, you know, I thought, I thought the boys showed up and, and, uh, and played hard, but also just, uh, I mean, they really rose to the occasion in the, in the second half to try to get that thing back. Yeah, when I did my pregame interview with Kalani earlier in the day, things weren't looking so good. And you did get Bracken back, which helped out, but there was a question of, you know, who's going to be able to play uh, some pretty important spots for us? Yeah, now Bracken came back, and he played, he played hurt. He played, uh, I mean, he looked, like, uh, he looked like he was really struggling, and he came off the sideline, and the coaches were telling me that, yeah, I'm in the box. The coaches are saying he looks exhausted, and he, he gave it his all. And, and uh, I mean, it's the kids like that and the type of players that we have are the reason why uh, we're in the position that we are. How was it to also play a game with fans in the stands for the first time? You know, I, I didn't think... Now, uh, you, you're, now you, you're, you're, you're a little bit yeah. separated, but yeah. still. Yeah, if, uh, I mean, for the players, especially for 
um, who showed up in the game. I mean, it was uh, it was unbelievable how many fans that we had, and yeah. I think we had way more fans than they did, and and uh, definitely attributed to the to the comeback at the end. First quarter of this game more or less goes the way you wanted. Um, not so in the second quarter. Houston had 228 yards of offense and outscored BYU 17-0 in the second. Where did things get off balance for you uh, in the second quarter? You know, I thought that they made uh, made a couple adjustments, found a couple of things, and um, just executed. You know, they, they out-executed us, and um, we had a couple of issues with just, just different things that we were working on and, and seeing. And, uh, you know, they just, they just played better than we did. And, you know, we, we certainly needed our boys to come back in the last little bit and, and do the same thing they did, which was basically execute, and, and we did. Houston's got a good group, though. Uh, no shortage of playmakers on that team. <clears throat> yeah, that was a very, very talented team. Yeah. Very talented offense. Right before halftime in this one, uh, potentially a pretty big swing. Uh, BYU goes for it on fourth and one from the two, doesn't convert, and then Houston drives right before halftime uh, for a field goal that gave him a six-point lead. Yeah, yeah, I mean, it's... There was a lot of different thoughts going into into that. I mean, um, offenses that are that are that dangerous. You want to keep the ball in front, and and uh, I mean, obviously we would, we would like to to hold them from a field goal, but a um, little bit more a little bit more worried uh, right before going into halftime about giving up a score. And so they were able to get a a couple of passes, and uh, you know the quarterback kept a couple of things alive just by their their receivers did a really good job in just reading zones and mans and breaking things off and finding some open areas and. And they did a good job with just find, finding some things. So when the first half ends, you leave the booth and you're going to go down to the locker room, right? Uh, what were the thoughts in your head as you were on your way uh, to halftime? You know, there, there were a lot of thoughts going through at that time. But as we sat down uh, together and discussed, you know, some of the things that were hurting us as a staff, some of the things that um, we could do to potentially change, uh, change the way that things were going, um, really the, the consensus at the end of it was, we needed to be a little bit more aggressive in just coverage, and we needed to challenge the players to uh, to uh, step it up, and, and the players did. You know, and that was going to be the thing is there wasn't going to be a magical call. Um, it was really the boys were coached well, coached hard all week, and it wasn't going to be the call. It was going to end up being them taking over the game. And so we we uh, we played a little bit more man than we did in the first half. In the first half, we, you know, even in the second half when we started to play, there were still some issues and gave up a pass, inter- a pass interference call. Um, and but we at, at, after you know a drive we we basically regrouped and on the headset said you know what we're making them earn everything and that's going to be the difference is we're going to make them earn everything if they beat us then they're beating us they're not they're uh, you know they're not beating our zones and so I thought our players responded responded really well especially in the later part of that game. We'll talk some more about that uh, after this break, and it is time for a break. When we come back, it was a, a tale of two halves, and in the second half at Houston, BYU dominated. We'll talk about the turnaround and have a defensive player of the game next after this. Two settling in the ball. Oh, there it is! The pressure comes, and Zach Daw got him! The Zach Sack! Back on the coordinator's corner with BYU defensive coordinator and defensive line coach Elisa Tuiaki. That was one of E's guys there, Zach Dobb. BYU up to 11th and 12th in the two major polls with Texas State visiting Lavelle Edwards Stadium on Saturday. BYU improving to 5-0 and with a 43-26 come-from-behind win at Houston on Saturday. And we're talking about it with BYU's defensive coordinator. So uh, things turned around uh, dramatically in the second half, uh, but not until BYU went down 26-14. 
Uh, they did score on a 98-yard drive to go up 12. Um, so, you know, it wasn't like it was instant. You still had some work to do. Yeah, yeah. The adjustments that we made when we came back out, we felt like uh, we, we let them out of the drive. You know, a pass interference, the, the targeting, which was, which was just one of those deals. I mean, they would have been in third and 27, and we kind of let them off the hook. That, and, uh, you know, a couple things that just kept it alive. But as we went back and talked about it, we, you know, we didn't want to overreact, didn't want to panic, and said, you know what, besides a couple of these times where we, kept, where we let them off the hook, we're actually playing pretty good defense, and we just need to, we need to continue the course. And so, um, you know, just stayed the course with, with the plan, and, and uh, the players made plays. Do you think George Udo's pick on the two-point play was a bit of a hidden play there in your favor? Because they just scored. They're up 12. they got momentum. It's a little thing there, but they don't convert the two-point conversion. George makes a play, and then you guys went from there. Yeah, for sure. I mean, that's, you know, changes the game. You end up uh, getting a little bit closer. But the other thing, too, I think, is, is for George's confidence. I mean, he was covering one of the best players in college football, and we asked him to do it, and, and uh, you know, there's – there was, there was a lot of good film of just him, you know, trying to do his job well. And George, that, I think that was huge for his confidence and just the rest of the night and the way that he played uh, number five. Yeah, you're talking, yeah, number five, Marquez Stevenson, uh, who can uh, do it on special teams and as an offensive player. So after the Houston TD to go up 26 to 14, Houston literally gains only six yards the rest of the way, the entire game. So the flipping of the script, um, how much of it was tactical? And how much of it was guys uh, kind of redoubling efforts and having it be individual guys winning their battles uh, play by yeah, play? I, I think it was a little, little bit of all, all of it. You know, it was uh, the, the decisions that we made as far as just how we were going to go about the calls and, and putting, the, putting the game back in the players' hands, but also just the momentum, the offense starting to roll, the crowd. I mean, there's just so many things. And I think um, even in the box, not being able to hear anything, you can really feel the energy of the momentum swing and just – um, individual players making plays. It all kind of came together. You mentioned crowd, too. That's also a factor in this thing as it goes. And the offense really did waste no time in scoring once Houston went up 12. Then came the onside kick. So you had to have your defense ready to go, mm-hmm. but you had to know the kick was coming, too. So yep. you were probably uh, half and half there in terms of we got to be ready, but this might work, too, right? Yeah, yeah. And that was whenever our offense goes for it on fourth down or we're going to do something like that on special teams, it's you know, just a reminder, hey, get the defense ready, you know, and we're geeked up and supporting the, the decision that's going to be made. And, uh, you know, as we were watching it earlier on in the game, um, you know, Ed, Ed and I talk on special teams and, and uh, we t- talked about it being there. And, I mean, mm-hmm. it was, that was a great call by Ed and, and uh, it's just a really timely thing. I and mean, we didn't end up scoring, but it just still, at that point, there was still momentum swing, change of field position, and I and, uh, thought it was a good thing. When you know it's coming, do you get pretty excited? Yeah, yeah, you know, it's uh, it's amazing that he can kick that. I mean, it's unbelievable, and we've seen it in practice. And so I, I kick on the kickoff return, and so sometimes I'll, I'll go up and I'll, I'll whisper to him, hey, uh, give us that chip nine now so we can make sure that our guys are, are doing it right and, and making sure they see the ball kicked. I mean, it's, it's an unbelievable kick. It's hard to defend. Yeah, you said it too. He calls it chip nine, right? Yeah. <laughs> that, that's, his, that's his kick. And, and you said too – um, it didn't lead directly to points. You didn't score on the next drive, but I think maybe it wins the game um, because it, it did become a field position situation. And once they shank a punt, you're looking at a 23-yard field, and you yep. score, and you take a lead, and then it's, it's off to the races. Yep, for sure. I mean, it's, field position is a big part of the game, and uh, with the momentum coming in, the offense doing what they did, and the defense starting to play as well as we did, everything just uh, was in our favor at that point. 
the touchdown play BYU had to take the lead is on a play called Chiefs. I know you're a defensive coach, but you can appreciate the offensive coaches and what they put in the book right there from uh, yeah. from Kansas yeah, City. Yeah, that's always pretty cool. And you know, I sit right next to uh, to A Rod in the booth, so I can hear some of the stuff that they're talking about. And um, you know, when they said that, I didn't know what it was, but then when they did that, I was like, okay, uh, <laughs> I see you. That's uh, that's a good name for that play. What a great design, though, right? And a great time to pull it out at that point. Uh, yeah. You know, it's basically run almost exactly where Kansas City ran it for a touchdown in week yep. three. Yeah, that's a really really cool play. And uh, how about Mason Wake? It seems like he does uh, multiple things every week that make us uh, nod our heads or smile or just yeah. say, "I'm glad we got that guy." Yeah, he's a, he's a dang good football player. He's a, I mean, he when he came to uh, football camps when we were here, I mean, he was playing tailback, fullback, linebacker, and we we all knew we were like, "Man, I don't know what this kid is, but he's something special." And I mean, he's he's showing that now. So back to defensive line uh, for a moment. Without Kairos Tonga and Lorenzo Fawatea, you relied on defensive line depth a lot in this one. Overall, um, did they do uh, as well as you expected, better than you expected, uh, just maybe kind of assess their play that way? Yeah, there, there's always technical things when you're a defensive lineman. I mean, that's hand-to-hand combat, and the uh, <clears throat> I'm, I'm always really hard on just on technique and you know, it's always a matter of inches and where your eyes are and hand placement, all that stuff. And so there's always things to, to work on. But, uh, you know, really in the second half, I thought that they played played well. And, um, you know, I always a little bit worried about the run game just because if, if Houston got the run game going, it's just another thing to have to worry about. And and uh, really besides that 15-yard play on, on the counter that they had, I thought the D-line did pretty well um, and just giving the backers the chance to make tackles or making tackles themselves. And so... I, th- I thought that it was good, and uh, you know, there's there's towards the end of the game. I mean, we were talking about whether we were going to start pressuring them a little bit more, or whether we were going to rely on the four man rush. And we really put it on the D line to to show up at the four man rush and and uh, you know just use use all the backers and secondary for coverage. Mm-hmm. And I thought they showed up in a big way. So zero sacks in the first half, three in the second half, and did it come basically on wins? defensive line wins it, it did I mean there were there were a couple of games that we had in there games or which uh, which are called twist games is what we what we basically call them that one right there was on a pressure a specific pressure five-man pressure this was a game um, the other another one was a creeper uh, what we call a creeper which is you bring a backer and drop an end and so it's still a four-man rush this one right here with George is a creeper because we know George is in the D lineman but just just different ways to bring four people and and uh, still keep your coverage sound but change things up for the D-line and, the, and their O-line. Okay, let's get to your defensive uh, players of the game, and there were plural players that got your nod this week. Yeah, you know, Chris uh, Chris Wilcox, um, the way that he played, uh, especially in the second half, and just having a guy back like that, uh, somebody with that ability, uh, a lockdown corner is what, as well as what you talk about, and just the way that he played. I mean, he, had, uh, he played really, really well. Um, thought that he affected the quarterback in, in a negative way, which was positive for us. And Zach Dodd did a good job. You know, his career high was just the best, best game as far as production. And then Bracken, the way that he stepped up and just played through his injury and, um, you know, inspired. I think it's, it inspired a lot of the guys on the sideline. Uh, Chris, he drew an OPI, didn't he? He did. Yeah. He did. Great coverage. Yeah, great coverage. I mean, it's... It's hard to beat a six-two corner that can run that fast. And when he's healthy and he's playing, he's, and he's playing right. I mean, it's it's uh, he he's he he's as good as they come. I think. You're you're con- I, I'm conditioned always to 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 be a little uptight when I see a flag on on tight coverage. 
and but then I realized no, they actually did call the the, the offensive. He was in a, I mean, he, he basically got hauled, yeah. got yeah. got grabbed. He should, should, yeah, yeah. It, would, it would have been a pick. I thought it was a smart move by their guy to to do that, or else or else Chris would have picked it. All right, time for a break, folks. And as we step away, we'll remind you that for your daily Cougar Sports play-by-play, tune in weekdays to BYU Sports Nation at noon Eastern Time, BYU TV and BYU Radio. Coming up in our final segment of this week's show, a preview of Saturday night's home game versus Texas State and some questions from Cougar Nation for Coach Tuiaki from social media. You're in the Coordinator's Corner, brought to you by JCW's The Burger Boys. Corner on BYU TV is brought to you by JCW's, the Burger Boys, BYU Food to Go, the MVP of your next event, Siegfried and Jensen, serving Utah families for over 25 years. BYU versus Texas State Saturday night. Bobcats have already played six games. They're one and five and on a three-game losing skid coming to Provo. Coach Elisa Tuiaki with us. And Coach, uh, a brief look at Texas State's offense uh, shows a steady diet of three and four wide. Pretty balanced attack. Yeah, yeah. They remind me a lot of, uh, of UTSA that we played. I think their, their O-line's pretty big, uh, capable. I mean, they've got capable players. Um, you know, sometimes just the way that things go and you're not, you're not winning, it's just really hard to get over the hump. But... Um, you know, as I watch the later games, um, you know, they, they don't look as good as they did before. I mean, they, they played against Boston College. That film, I thought they looked like a really, really good, capable offense. And so we've got to be prepared, uh, make sure that we're showing up for this one. Okay, social media now for Coach E. Uh, this from Jared Drake says, Coach Tuiaki, the defense appeared to step up big in the second half after your review. Which defender made the most impressive step forward in that second half to maybe lock down that potent passing attack that worked for Houston in the first half? I thought the, I mean, uh, <clears throat> Chris Wilcox we mentioned, but Keenan Ellis did an excellent job. Uh, Troy Warner, who we asked to play man um, as a safety, showed up in a big way. And and uh, Zane Anderson, I thought, t- t- took a big step forward, as well as George Ute. I mean, the secondary, those guys did a really good job. I mean, it was you can't uh, you can't play a lot of those aggressive coverages without having cover guys and guys that are bought into it. And so there's always room for improvement. But uh, I thought that they showed up in a big way for us. And this segues to that from uh, Brandon Robbins, who says, "What went into the decision to change up the defense and go more man coverage against Houston?" It was you know we we played some. I think we played about ten snaps in the first half, and it just um, you know there there are some issues. I think syncing it up with a with a four man rush was uh, the other thing that helped out. Um, but, uh, you know, we felt like sitting in zones, they were just too good of an offense, too smart. I mean, the way that they, their receivers found zones and broke things off and the quarterback was able to keep things alive was, was really what we were having a problem with. And so um, playing, playing a lot man was going to – it's one of those deals where, it's, you, you know, you're going to give up bigger plays when you do, but you're going to make them earn everything. And so going to, going to play a little bit more man with the four-man rush was going to put the game back on the players and put it in their hands and – really for all these years that we've been recruiting corners and feel like we finally feel like we're, we're in a place right now where we can play play that type of defense. By the way, do you feel uh, good about getting Kyrus back this week for you? Yeah, I think anytime you get a guy like that is a big, big difference. I mean, he was a, you know, so, some of, the, some of the, the three-man rushes that we were able to be a little bit more effective in the past just wasn't as effective minus Ky- Kyrus, and, and that showed up in the first half. 
uh, with the different zones that we were playing, uh, minus Kyrie, you know, the other guys battle, but it's just he's a, he's a difference maker for sure. He should be good to go this week then? Yes. Yeah, he'll play. Uh, real quickly, Michael Christensen just asked, and it's another man question, but uh, do you have confidence to use more man in the future now after, after last week? Uh, yeah, you know, it's, it's, I think it's by game plan. It's, uh, there was never really any doubt as far as playing man, and we've been playing a lot of quarters, which, which is essentially man in the last four years, and, and uh, the type of corners that we've been recruiting is, is for that. But I think every game plan just it's, uh, requires something different every single week. Okay. Good to see you this week, and we'll have you back with us next week, Keith. Thanks. Thank you. All right, that is Coach Elisa Tuiaki, and that is going to do it for this week's edition of the Coordinator's Corner. Back with you again next Monday at 1 p.m. Eastern, 11 a.m. Mountain, right here on the BYU TV app. For coaches Elisa Tuiaki and Ed Lamb, I am Greg Grubel. Have a great week, and go Cougs. We'll see you next Monday.